On today's 21 News Podcast, I'm Robert McFerrin, and we're speaking with Dr. Henry Momka. With social distancing in effect because of COVID-19 pandemic, people are finding themselves using video conferencing apps such as Zoom, Skype, and Google Hangouts more and more for work, for staying in touch with family, but there may be an unintended effect um, called Zoom fatigue or feeling of tiredness, anxiousness, and worried that the video calls that may what they may bring. Um, Dr. Henry, in the COVID-19 workplace, many people are now working from home and communicating with coworkers through video, video conferencing apps, such as Zoom or other services. However, many people are saying yeah. that they feel more tired now than when they physically went to work. Are virtual interactions harder on your brain? Uh, hey, Robert, it's nice to be on the podcast today, so thanks for inviting me. And, um, you know, it's such an interesting question from both a life at work perspective and also from a, a brain science perspective. And, of course, I'm a brain scientist. That's what interests me about this. And, uh, you know, I'd have to agree. This has been my experience uh, as well. You know, our company is completely working remotely now, as, as is so, are so many people. And, you know, I can easily find myself on Zoom calls, you know, four hours, five hours, six hours a day. Um, and it is uh, tiring. And I think many of us have been surprised. You know, when we think of working from home, we often think, well, this is maybe a more relaxed environment. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it should be more stress-free. I don't have to commute. I don't have some of the stresses at work. Why am I feeling so tired at the end of the day as a result of this? And, uh, and there is something different about participating in video calls as a way of human interaction. And it absolutely taxes the brain in a new and different way than when we're used to. And when our brain gets taxed in that way, you know, it manifests, we feel fatigue. And it's not like we're tired, like we just went out for a, you know, a run or something like that. We feel fatigued because we're cognitively tired. And, uh, and that's what people are really starting to notice at the end of the day. And, um, you know, so you ask correctly, you know, what is it about these kinds of video calls that seems to be more tiring from us than usual? And, uh, and there are really a couple things that are, that are going on. You know, the first of which is that um, hey, it's, uh, when we are in person, um, you know, our brains get so much stimulation from being in person uh, in terms of the social interactions that are going on, the complete context of being with another person. Uh, and, um, and, you know, our brains are built for that. We are fundamentally social animals, social primates in a way. Uh, and so we just, our brain just has a ton of neural circuitry that's been trained and adapted and built through years of experience to do those kinds of, of things socially with other people smoothly and effectively. But when we move that on to Zoom or any video conferencing system, not to pick on Zoom, um, you know, there's a lot that gets subtly lost. So there's always a little bit of lag in the calls, for example, right? right? Yep. And uh, the calls typically drop in and out just a tiny bit, and you miss a little bit of what someone's saying. Or there's a little glitch in the video, and you miss just a little bit of what they're looking and Were they smiling at you or were they smirking at you as they made a comment? And so our poor social brain, by missing those little tiny bits of information, our social brain just goes into overdrive, trying to figure out what's really going on, trying to fill in the, the gaps. And that going into overdrive ends up being hard work for our brain. And we don't quite notice it because we're trying to do our ordinary job. But our brain, as a result, I think, starts to get, as you, know, as you point out, tired and fatigued. And so at the end of the day, we find ourselves worn out, but we're not quite sure why. And that's a big piece of what's going on. 
Uh, thank you. That's interesting. Now, so the glitches, the video audio issues are causing the fatigue, but now we do talk on the phone a lot. So is it the video aspect that's causing this more, or is it the the fact that it's multiple people perhaps that's causing more of the issues? Well, there's two parts here. First of which is, uh, you know, the we're all actually much more used to phone calls than we are with video calls. Right. Video calls are still a relatively new thing, and certainly the explosion of growth as a result of the coronavirus crisis is new. And so, you know, you and I are talking on the phone right now, but this is something that each of us have been doing for decades with other people. And so the brain is an incredibly interesting system. The brain learns and changes and rewires and reorganizes itself as we have experiences and as we do things. And that means that although you and I were not, you know, evolved to talk on the phone, it's a modern human invention, you and I each have a brain where we've done lots of talking on the phone over the course of the past 10 or 20 or, or 30 years, not to make assumptions about you, Robert. But so we have actually built brain systems that are accustomed to talking on the phone. We have the ability to direct our attention to that purely audio input so forth. And we're just, we've made a habit of it. We've gotten good at it. And once your brain gets good at something, it doesn't take as much work for your brain to do it. You know, think about learning to ride a bike. Um, you probably, uh, do you know how to ride a bike, I Robert? Do, I, I do, you know. Yeah. So you might remember when you were learning back in your childhood, you know, it took a whole brain effort, right? You watch a kid learning how to ride a bike and, and you can just see like every neuron in their brain is firing, trying to learn how to do this and balance and move the handlebars. But of course, now you're probably an expert bike rider, right? You can probably do it and, you know, you can talk and you know, watch the world go by and you don't even really notice you're riding a bike. And that's what happens with the brain. As it rehearses these activities, it gets better and better at it. They can do it with less and less work. And that's, I think, very much true with phone calls, right? It's something we've gotten good at. Um, and it's also true that uh, on a phone call, uh, the audio is usually reasonably good. And it's, in a way, better to not have video rather than to have video, which is a little bit glitchy and demands your attention. Right. So, 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 so staring at the video monitor itself is adding to the problem. Staring at the video monitor itself is partially adding to the problem, and then the other problem is that the video information you get is, you know, let's say 95% good, but mm -hmm. your brain works really hard to figure out what's going on with the rest of this 5%. So, for example, if you and I were talking on a, on a video call right now, we'd be looking at the screen, which is always a little bit tiring, mm -hmm. but also when I looked at you, you know, your eyes wouldn't be pointed at me, right? Because you're looking at the screen and, you're, and you've seen, I'm sure, from video calls, everyone's direction of gaze looks a little off because right. they're looking at the screen, not yep. at the camera. Right. Now, direction of gaze is incredibly important for our brains. That's how we figure out what other people are interested in. So even if we're not really aware of it, all these calls feel a little weird because people aren't really looking us in the eye, for example. Right. And again, and we're missing a little bit of this information. So in some ways, it's actually less burdensome for our brains on this call to not see each other at all than it would be for you and I to be on a video call and get a lot of video information, but not quite all of the information we're used to from being in person. Right. I'm not trying so to read your facial a, expressions. I'm not trying to guess what I think or are misreading something that uh, I think you're saying. That's exactly right. If we were in person, you would do it perfectly because you've been doing it for years. But over a video call, because you can't do it perfectly, your brain has to do that extra work to kind of fill in that information and figure out what's going on. So psychologists call this term cognitive load. 
And what they mean by that is the extra work that your brain has to do in challenging situations to keep up. Um, you know, another good example is, well, let's say, um, you know, remember back in the old days when you could go out to a restaurant to eat? <laughs> you might remember those times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's say you're having dinner with a friend in a very quiet restaurant. It might be very easy to chat, right? You can understand mm-hmm. what they're saying back and forth. It's a very easy conversation. You have a good time. But now imagine it's a very noisy restaurant, right? You have to really work to understand what they're right. saying. And your brain has to do that work and doing making your brain do that work makes it more tiring um, without a doubt your cognitive function is worse and you get more tired and that's a little bit what's happening on these kinds of video calls it's and making every, people feel so tired after a day of work and, and, and everyone is always concerned on how they look on the call and obviously no one looks good on the video conference call so uh, does that <laughs> add to the stress uh, I think it adds this kind of the uh, the social and emotional stress. You know, in any any call, we're worried about giving off the wrong signals, and we want to give off the right signals. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, and in that sense, it's it's more cognitively demanding, more socially demanding, because we're we're worried about how we come across and so forth. Um, you know, that being said, I think that part we'll get used to really, kind of in a step by step way, right? And you know, if you and I were in person, we'd also be. You know, I don't want to say worried. and seem like a nice guy, but I think we'd both be we both be on our best behavior, right? Yeah. And uh, and I and I think we bring that to uh, to the video calls as well. I do think one thing that might be going on there is that you know the brain depends on context. It's it's sort of used to the entire uh, situation in which you're in fitting together and make sense. Uh, but, of course, many of us are doing these work video calls from home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now imagine here's your poor brain. You know, right in front of your visual field is this laptop screen, and, and that's the work environment, right? You're being professional. You're, right. you know, looking your best. But everything right outside of that that you can see, you know, is your home, right? You might be in your kitchen where you're used right. to being relaxed and, and maybe not always at the top of your game, right? It's more of the home environment. So the brain is trying to interpret these conflicting signals. Am I supposed to be at work? Am I supposed to be at home? And, you know, anytime the brain has to interpret those conflicting signals, you know, it has to do extra work. And anytime the brain is doing extra work, you now you're just going to feel a little bit more tired, a little bit more worn out by the end of the day. So if we're doing this in a non-work-related setting, so I, I, I do this all day long, but then I want to call and talk to mom and dad, um, am, am I getting the same type of stress and tiredness with the video conferencing if I'm trying to stay in touch with family? You know, my own opinion is that it's generally less. Um, now, of course, families can be stressful on their own. <laughs> Don't get me wrong about that. Uh, but, you know, we're imagining a much more casual conversation with a family member or a friend. You know, much of that cognitive challenge doesn't exist in the same way. You're not as focused on maybe being at your best. You're not as worried that you're going to say something slightly wrong that's going to, you know, uh, alter how your work works in some way or another. Um, you know, now some of the cognitive demand is still there, right? Let's say you're talking to your brother or your mom on the phone. And, you know, if that little bit of glitchiness in the video, the fact that you can't really see them in the eye, that, that still creates that unnatural feeling in your brain that creates some extra work. But, but I think it's not as strong because, you know, it is a, a more casual interaction that, um, you know, that doesn't kind of carry the same weight. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the other issue is that many of us who are doing a lot of video calls for work, um, 
you know, as I mentioned, it's easy to be on video calls for two, three, four, five hours a day or more and more. Right. I talk to some people. Right. And, you know, it would be wonderful if all of us were talking to our family two hours a day, but you know, none of us, none of us really are. And so in that sense, you know, that extra 15 minutes or half an hour to talk to someone of the family, it's, it's just not enough, I think, to drive the, the overall feeling of weariness that comes out of being on, uh, on video calls all day long for work. So I, I would never want anyone to think that they should turn down their, their social connections to their friend and family, particularly during this troubled time, right. because they've already had video calls. I think that those can be very different. And, you know, you can make them different, right? right. You're having a video call with a friend or a family, you know, be casual. Lay down on the couch. Hold your phone up in the air. Walk around your house and show your cat off to your mom, you know? So those, all those things can make it much more of a relaxing, uh, you know, stimulating good environment for the brain after a day of Zoom calls where you're probably not supposed to be wandering around the house showing your cat off. <laughs> so with, with video chatting being the new reality of the world we now live in, what are the best ways to deal with video fatigue? Well, you know, because so much of this is really a brain issue, and of course, you know, I'm a brain scientist, as we talked about at the beginning, um, you know, we tend to think about, uh, you know, in my community, you know, what are ways that a person can have a stronger, more resilient brain? And if you have a stronger, more resilient brain, then all of this is going to be a little bit easier. And again, that's like physical exercise, right? If you have something physically challenging you have to do, well, of course, if you're in good shape, right, it's going to be easier than if, uh, than if you're, uh, you know, a couch potato and you don't eat right. So, you know, from a brain science perspective, there, there's three things people can do about to help keep their brains more resilient during these times of being at home. And then, you know, with a more resilient brain, maybe finding less fatigue from video calls and all kinds of stress and anxiety that's going on right now. Uh, and the first is, uh, is actually physical exercise. You know, we know at this point uh, very clearly that what's good for the body and what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. Um, and that's because, of course, the brain actually, um, you know, it, it consumes tons of the energy and the oxygen that your blood pumps through your entire body. And, in fact, exercise itself has been shown to drive growth factors in the brain that under themselves can sustain neural health. So, you know, if you are able to uh, get out, even under these times of these uh, quarantine orders, and, um, you know, go for a walk around your neighborhood, you know, you should be absolutely taking advantage of that. And I, and I hope people are, of course, already, because it's good for their bodies. But an additional thing to get you off that couch and away from Netflix for a little bit and out into your neighborhood is, hey, it's really good for your brain health as well. So if you're finding yourself strength, uh, stressed or anxious due to the overall circumstances or due to work, um, you know, that is an excellent thing for brain health. Uh, the second thing we, of course, recommend is good sleep. And, um, you know, we have such a crazy society where we think that the less we sleep, the better, right? I think we've all heard people like, oh, I only sleep three hours a night, and that's why I'm so productive. And, and as a brain scientist, you know, this is just nuts. It is just nuts. The brain needs time for rest and recovery. And it's not just passive time. When your brain sleeps, when you're asleep, your brain is actually learning there have been so many fascinating studies that show that when you practice something during the day, you're learning new information, practicing a new skill. When you go to sleep, your brain actually rehearses that as you're sleeping. And it's that rehearsal while you're sleeping that consolidates that learning. So the next day you come back and you're sharper at that skill or you know those things better. So, you know, particularly in these stressful and anxious times, 
you know, people should really be focused on getting a full night's sleep, whether that's seven hours, eight hours, or nine hours for different people. You know, having a consistent bedtime, not reading on your phone until you just collapse in your bed. Um, uh, you know, these are all good activities uh, for brain health, and these are all things that should really help with the stress and anxiety of work and, and these nervous times. Uh, and of course, the third thing we think about for maintaining brain resilience is about, you know, driving new learning. You know, the brain fundamentally is there to adapt itself and learn. And whether that's uh, finding a little bit of spare time to practice a hobby that you haven't done in a while, you know, maybe you have a guitar in the closet you want to pull out. Maybe it's time to really tackle that thousand person, thousand piece puzzle that's been sitting around. All that kind of new learning is great for brain health and brain resilience. And, uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, um, you know, as you mentioned, I work at Positive Science, and we make a brain training program called Brain HQ. And, you know, what these kinds of brain training programs do is they're designed to really challenge the brain, make it faster and more accurate, and in doing that, you know, improve brain resilience. Lots of reasons to think these things should help, um, you know, just help people's brains be able to better cope with all the challenges of being at home, including the ones we're talking about. Are there better options for communicating that would be less taxing on us? Well, I think that one of the interesting things about the availability of video chat is that as soon as it's available, people start to think, well, I guess we should have a video chat, and maybe I'm a little bit rude if I, if I only want to talk on the phone rather than video chat, right? And uh, no one wants to be the first person to say, hey, can we just make this a phone call instead <laughs> of a video chat, right? It seems like maybe that's a little offensive. Um, but I, you know, I think this is a great time to realize, hey, we have many modes of communication, and we should really be using a mode of communication that is, you know, most efficient, gets our work done, and is least stressful. And, you know, of course, in some cases, that's an email, right? We don't have to see each other at all. And in other cases, that might be, uh, you know, a chat app, um, whether it's for work or with your friends and whether it's texting. And, of course, that's something you can do asynchronously. I can send it to you, and, you know, you can respond to me when you, when you have the chance. Very low stress. You know, and then a one step up from that is a phone call. And as we talked about, phone calls are easier. All of us are, are used to them. We don't have kind of a glitchy audio and video with them that adds stress to our brain. And then we should look to say, okay, well, is this something I really need to do a video call for? And, of course, in some cases, it's, it is absolutely, right? Maybe it's the first time you're, you're working with someone in a new business partnership and really just, you know, wonderful to form a mental image of what they're like and help build some trust and so forth and so on. But, you know, maybe if it's the eighth call that week, maybe it doesn't need to be a video call, right? Maybe it really could, could be a, uh, a phone call or, or even a chat. And uh, I think it would be wonderful to see people start, again, to, uh, you know, choose the right communication channel for what the work needs to be done as. And in, in that way, kind of minimize or average out the level of cognitive load and cognitive stress. Not everything has to be a video chat. That's maybe the lesson. Well, Dr. Manka, I want to thank you. Mamka, sorry. Uh, I want to thank you for your time and your valuable information of why I'm so tired lately. And uh, and if there's anything <laughs> that you can add in closing for our listeners uh, to help guide them on these uh, troubling times. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just recommend to you what I'll recommend. I hope that, uh, you know, the weekend's coming up, right, Robert? It I is. hope you're able to get out of the house, go out for a nice walk, stimulate your brain by noticing some new things around you. It's springtime, right? It should be wonderful things to see out there. And then I hope you focus on getting some good sleep this weekend to restore your brain. And then, hey, challenge your brain with something new, Robert. I know everyone's a little bit tired, but actually that kind of brain work can really be restorative, drive some new learning. And, um, 
And in that sense, uh, have a happy, healthy brain.